episode 111 of one man Watchpoint and overwatch podcast coming at you right now i'm of course your host sir dr jm that's at sir drjm on all socials so why not give me a follow especially over on twitter where you can reach out to me you can tweet at me you can interact with me over there bring me questions bring me comments bring me topics bring me concerns bring me whatever you've got on your mind whether it's life advice or video game related i'd love to talk about it on the show We've got a big show today, surprisingly enough. I know, I know. We had two episodes that were both basically titled um, uh, Laying Low or something to that extent. I, I don't remember, but I talked about it on the past two episodes. They were both relatively short, of course, because we didn't have a lot to talk about. But it seems as we entered the uh, final weeks and days of uh, Season 4 in Overwatch, we have now had the silence broken, so we've got a lot to talk about. Now, before we get there, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. Now, if you enjoy what you hear today on One Man Watchpoint, please check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant in the Overwatch League. I am, of course, the third chair over there with my co-hosts, Alex and Chris. We talk everything Overwatch League, but specifically Canadian Overwatch League. Enough with all that, though. We've got lots to get to, as I've said a couple times, so let's dive on in. I feel greatly empowered. All right, so our first story today. As I mentioned, we've got a lot to talk about with respect to Season 5, or a decent amount to talk about at least. But before we get there, we're going to head over to DottieSports.com with an article by Scott Roberts, posted on June 5th. Now, I should actually, before I get into this, point out that I am actually recording late. Normally, I record on like a Wednesday and post around a Thursday. As it stands now, I am actually recording on what you might call a Thursday night, but realistically, it is past midnight. So I'm technically recording on a Friday, uh, you know, just past midnight, and I will be posting this later today, uh, early morning on Friday. Now, a couple of reasons behind that. Uh, number one, uh, just life got in the way a little bit earlier in the week. So there's that. I've also had some family visiting. And of course, on top of all of that, uh, we don't actually have any action in the Overwatch League this upcoming weekend. So I didn't necessarily feel like there was a huge crunch to get an episode out. Normally, I like to post, uh, you know, Wednesday or Thursday because then the episode get out, gets out before the Overwatch League matches for that upcoming weekend. So we can, of course, cover everything. So, for example, next week, we'll definitely be recording... Uh, I'll probably be recording on a Wednesday, posting on a Thursday. Might sneak it in there, get it done on a Monday or a Tuesday, um, just to get the episodes out before, of course, we enter the mid-season madness tournament. Now, one thing I do want to mention is also on this episode that we're not actually going to cover next week's matches because we're going to save that for next week's episode, of course, because that is right before the mid-season madness tournament. So, all of that said. We're going to start by talking a little Overwatch League, but not quite what you would expect, of course. So this article, once again, to loop back to it, Scott Robertson, June 5th, over on DottieSports.com. This article reads, Toronto Defiant owners make unprecedented deal with OWL to waive remaining franchise fees. Overactive Media, the media and entertainment company that owns and operates the Toronto Defiant franchise in the Overwatch League, 
has reached an agreement with the league to eliminate the franchise's, quote, outstanding entry fees, it announced today. The agreement between the Defiant Ownership Group and the league includes an early payment of league revenue share, a new sponsorship deal between the Defiant and the league, and the waiving of all remaining entry fees, according to the announcement from Overactive CEO and co-founder Adam Adamu. Overactive values all three aspects of the agreement at $10.8 million Canadian, which roughly translates to $8.04 million U.S. dollars. According to reporter Jacob Wolf, the deal waives the roughly $8 million in franchise fees owed by the Defiant Ownership Group to the league, and Wolf believes, quote, all other franchises will have their remaining owed balances waived too. Wolf reported in January that Overactive Media led the charge in starting a collective bargaining process, retaining British law firm Sheridan's to negotiate with the OWL on behalf of all teams. Teams were reportedly seeking economic relief from high operating costs and an, quote, all-time low in revenue share following the expiration of media rights deal with YouTube in 2022, as well as the mass exodus of league sponsors following the state of California's sexual harassment lawsuit levied against Activision Blizzard in July 2021. The deal between OWL and Overactive and any subsequent deals with other franchise owners could potentially be the result of the collective bargaining effort. Adamu responded to an inquiry from Dot Esports, saying it is, quote, fair to assume that an agreement like this covers all of the teams, quote, but did not confirm, outright confirm that other teams were receiving the same deal. Adamu did confirm that today's agreement was a, quote, part of the collaborative negotiating process mentioned above. Dot Esports has reached out to the Overwatch League for additional comment. So, of course, uh, interesting stuff there and... A pretty landmark deal, I would say, when it comes to the the franchises in the Overwatch League. Obviously, waiving any outstanding franchise fees can be huge for a lot of these teams, I'm sure. Um, with Toronto owing some, what was the number they said there, around $8 million. Um, you know, getting the relief on that is, is a, a big win for them. Um, and with what we know about league, the league and the organizations and teams around the league, we know that Toronto was a more successful team despite their uh, not necessarily successful track record when it comes to the actual league, right? We know that in terms of the market, in terms of the sponsorships they had with the their org themselves, um, marketing deals and things like that, uh, as well as obviously sales of merch and other uh, activations they've done we know that the toronto organization was a more profitable one i'm not saying they were extremely profitable or anything like that but we know that they were doing pretty okay in in the grand scheme of things or in comparison to many other overwatch league teams so the fact that they had outstanding fees um i mean kind of says a couple of things we know that the league also worked with teams to you know you didn't it's not like you had to outright pay everything right at the beginning so we know that uh there was there was probably some breakdown in how that all went through and i'm sure many of the other teams were on sort of a similar path but overall this is a good thing for for most organizations to now have some uh, a little bit more cash in the pocket to uh hopefully invest into into their organizations and teams in other ways so Overall, this was huge. Um, as they mentioned there, the uh, collective bargaining with, with Sheridan's, uh, that was announced quite a while ago. Actually, here, I just pulled up the article from Dottie Sports, also by Scott Robertson. Posted back on January 18th, Overwatch League teams are reportedly seeking collective legal action against Activision Blizzard for losses. So it's been basically half a year at this point, almost, you know, 
just shy of exactly half a year since this article broke. Obviously, I'd say Teams and uh, Overactive were talking to Sheridans before that. Um, I'm sure the you know the the news kind of broke or leaked uh, a, a little while after deals had been made and, and agreements had been reached and things like that. But in any case. Um, I'm very, I'm pleased and excited that we're actually hearing something about this and uh, seeing some action come out of it. Because I definitely did wonder if that was the kind of thing that, you know, uh, sure it's being reported on now as it's just starting, but maybe it's the kind of thing that gets swept under the rug. We don't really hear much about it ever. Um, or if we do, it's, you know, the details are a little bit scant and we aren't necessarily hearing anything positive or negative one way or the other, right? So in this sense, uh, you know, it really feels like a win for the franchises. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say a loss for the league. Like, yes, technically it is a loss because now they're, you know, not going to get as much money as they once thought they were. But ultimately, I think for the league, it's more of a more of a net positive um, in the fact that you probably have a couple of organizations here on your hands that are now a lot more satisfied and, and uh, you know, a little bit happier with that extra cash and not having to pay that outstanding amount. So there you have it. Good job over active media. And of course, uh, the Toronto Defiant uh, with all of that. Now, we're going to stay with .esports.com and actually another article by Scott Robertson posted on June 5th. And this one ties pretty directly into the previous um, the previous article here. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that works in a second here. So this article reads, Overwatch League will reportedly wipe away owed entry fees for all teams. Activision Blizzard will reportedly waive the remaining Overwatch League franchise fees for all competing teams that still owe them, according to the Sports Business Journal. The report today comes just a few hours after Overactive Media, the company that owns the Toronto Defiant franchise, announced it had reached a deal with the league to eliminate the franchise's outstanding entry fees, which also, uh, well, also including an early payment of league revenue share, as well as a new sponsorship deal. While he was unable to give specifics, Overactive CEO and co-founder Adam Adamu told Dot Esports that a sponsorship deal was a, quote, major part of the agreement. Now, I'm going to pause here. I actually didn't even mention that when I was talking about the previous article here. So yes, other big things to come out of that one uh entry fee deal we talked about that but early payment of league revenue share so that essentially means uh that the teams will be getting almost an advance on uh on money that uh the league makes uh so again more cash in the pocket of these orgs and then finally um the other side of that uh where the heck was it there deal with the league to eliminate outstanding fees oh new sponsorship deal that's what i was looking for um we don't necessarily know what that is yet um obviously again as they mentioned in the first article there we saw basically all our major sponsors uh bounce after the lawsuit with the state of california so that's not good for a public facing league and things like that um you want to have those brands that are willing to dump cash into you to get their logo on a segment or to have their name emblazoned across things. We all saw what happened with the Butterfinger sponsorship after uh, all those other sponsorships had, uh, you know, fallen through and, and been canceled and everything like that. But you will recall before that we had sponsorships from Coca-Cola, right? From mega multi-billion dollar organizations like that. Um, so this does hint at something like that. What could it be? It's hard to say. I actually lean more towards it being potentially a sponsorship with um, a, a 
although I guess it would technically be called something different, but I was going to say a streaming platform. Um, so, uh, you know, an exclusive streaming rights to YouTube or something like that, like we've had in the past, obviously we were with Twitch and then they moved over to YouTube. And this season we haven't actually had a, uh, streaming partner, partner kind of deal. Um, but I was going to suggest that I would think that's probably the most likely thing that we see. However, now that I think about it, they probably would have said a media rights deal or something like that, uh, rather than, uh, some new sponsorship deal. So who knows what it could be, but I digress. Let's continue with this article. Jumping back in there, according to SBJ, sources that spoke to the outlet reportedly said, quote, the entire Overwatch League has had their remaining entry fees waived as well, end quote. Teams across the league reportedly still owed, quote, anywhere between $6 million and $7.5 million. End quote. Overactive noted in their announcement that their agreement with OWL, including the sponsorship and early revenue share, was valued at $10.8 million Canadian dollars, or roughly $8.04 million U.S. dollars. Overactive going public with their agreement is likely due to the company's status as a publicly traded company, meaning they have to disclose deals such as these or risk legal issues. Overactive originally led the collaborative negotiating efforts with Activision Blizzard back in January after retaining British law firm Sheridan's to negotiate with the OWL, with the OWL on behalf of the teams. The SBJ report also notes that additional sources have come forward to say that the Call of Duty League teams may also ask Activision Blizzard for a similar deal. Supposedly, Activision Blizzard is looking to, quote, clean up some of its balance sheet ahead of imp the impending Microsoft acquisition. Overactive's chief commercial officer, Allison Walker, told SBJ that the company is open to having those discussions with Activision Blizzard. Dottie Sports has yet to receive any official comment from Activision Blizzard or the Overwatch League. So... Again, another sort of win for the um, for the organizations in the Overwatch League that, of course, support these teams and provide us with these teams that we love to cheer for. Again, cash in pocket, um, eliminating entry fees for all teams is is relatively speaking a good thing. Um, it is it does sort of quest put into question a little bit about expansion. Um, how would that work? Does a new team coming in? Um, you know, have to, there has to be some monetary exchange for them to get into the league. It's not like we're just going to have a million different, uh, you know, uh, not paying orgs suddenly rise up and, and somehow compete. Um, so there are questions around this. Um, very, very interesting ones. I do think it also inspires a level of confidence that the league, that there's a future with the league, um, that, uh, you know, the Overwatch League isn't going anywhere, which, you know, did I really think it would just disappear overnight? No, but a lot of people online would have you believe otherwise. So there you have it. Interesting stuff. Let's move on. We're now going to get into a little bit of some more exciting stuff. Um, this time, a little more general Overwatch 2 news, which is always exciting, um, but not quite our Season 5 info, which we'll get to in a little bit here. So Sticking with .esports.com, sticking with Scott Robertson, and this time on June 5th, or I believe again on June 5th, lots of news broke on June 5th, this article reads Overwatch League fans can now earn free Overwatch 2 Battle Pass skips. Activision Blizzard is making the pool of droppable rewards for watching Overwatch League matches even deeper. Overwatch 2 Battle Pass skips will be available to viewers who tune into the Midseason Madness event during the 2023 season the league announced today. For years now, Overwatch League matches prominently let players acquire League tokens by winning ma by watching matches on the official broadcast with an actively connected account, letting players earn currency they can spend in-game for official OWL Team Hero skins. 
More recently, during the 2023 season, the league has experimented with the feature, adding the ability to unlock sprays, name cards, and skins in addition to tokens. For the Midseason Madness Tournament, beginning on July 5th, players will be able to earn Overwatch 2 Seasonal Battle Pass tier skips for the first time. With a connected account, players watching the official stream on YouTube can earn a tier skip every two hours for up to 10 hours, meaning they can earn at most five tier skips. The tier skips appear to be usable or redeemable no matter what stage of the battle pass you are at, but you will likely only be able to earn the rewards for the track you are on, meaning free players likely won't get rewards from the premium track using a tier skip. With the timing of the Overwatch 2 season and the start of the tournament, players should be earning these skips right around the start of Season 5. In addition to the tier skips, viewers can also earn a name card sprays and the Overwatch League Ramatra home and away skins by reaching certain hour thresholds, brackets similar to how Twitch gives out drops after watching a certain number of hours. Of course, players can earn 5 league tokens per hour for every hour watched with seemingly no limit on these. But actually, watching the event when it is live will prove to be a bit difficult for fans in the Americas, given that the tournament takes place in Seoul, Korea. The broadcast doesn't start until 8pm CT on June 15th, with the matches scheduled to go past midnight. So this is a cool little feature that I think they're adding here. Um, I did pull up the tweet as well, which it was embedded in the article, and it reads, Perks galore await our hashtag Owl2023 Midseason Madness viewers. Battle Pass tier skips, 5 league tokens per hour, Midseason Madness name card, limited edition sprays, Ramatra Owl skins. So obviously, quick summary there. This is of course taking place June 15th through 17th, starting at 6pm PT or 7pm Mountain Time where I am. Uh, 9 p.m. ET. But overall, Overwatch League tokens, nothing surprising there. Midseason Madness name card. Uh, we have seen this in the past, but I'm glad to see this coming back and, and a new uh, name card. Limited edition sprays. I don't really care at all about sprays, but whatever. Ramatra owl skins. I like the owl skins, um, and I'm happy to collect more of those. But the big shocker here is the Battle Pass tier skips. Of course, very nice to see that little bonus in there, even if it's you know, it's not necessarily going to be the quickest thing to earn. They do mention you got to watch 10 hours to get all five. Um, but ultimately, over a tournament, you know, that's not going to be too hard. I think in the first day, uh, there will be minimum, I want to say, four matches. And if match it, each match is, you know, two hours, there you go. There's your 10 hours. You got to watch the first day and that's it. Um, obviously, it's not going to work out to be exactly that. You probably have wind up having to watch a little bit more than that. Um but who knows, if it's a bunch of three overwatches, then definitely could simply be, you know, you got to watch more than one day. But overall, I'm very excited for these Battle Pass tier skips. I do hope that they aren't locked to whatever the current season is, because I have finished the Battle Pass for uh, the Star Watch season, season four. Um, I got my, got my Sigma legendary skin. I'm very happy about that. Mythic skin, sorry. Um, so, of course, I would love to apply these five free tiers to uh, the next season or season, wait, season five. I think I said season five before I meant season four, but anyways. Anyways, I think this is a great idea. I think this is something they should play with more, uh, offering more um, or, or more interesting rewards than they have in the past. Now, let's take a turn here. We're going to head on over to GG Recon with an article by Yiska, uh, posted on June 7th, which reads, Overwatch League Team calls out league over violating its own rules now this one is i'm just scrolling through oh it's not that long actually so i will read the whole thing 
Let's give it a whirl. The Overwatch League has found itself under fire for allegedly breaking its own rules, leading to a potentially contentious seeding process for the Midseason Madness, one of the largest international events in the competitive Overwatch calendar. Gray Zhang, head of the Hangzhou Spark, has publicly accused the league of not adhering to the rules signed by the players prior to the start of the season. This has led to claims of unprofessionalism and disrespect in the handling of the situation in the league's management. Which rule was allegedly violated? In a series of tweets, Gray outlined a detailed timeline of the contentious issue. Players were given a rule set before the season started on April 22nd, with the requirement to sign it by April 25th in order to participate in the Overwatch League season. That The signed rules stipulated that the second seed for Midseason Madness would go to the team victorious in bracket one of the Easter qualification. Sorry, it does say Easter. I think that uh, it should be Eastern qualification round. He's missing an N, that's all. However, discrepancies surfaced during the qualification stage for midseason in APAC, where the brackets were denoted as A and B. This didn't match the outline description. Gray's Hangzhou Spark, the Guangzhou Charge, and the Seoul Dynasty were placed in Group A, with the Seoul Infernal, Dallas Fuel, and Shanghai Dragons in Group B. When the qualification ended, Hangzhou won Group A and Seoul Infernal won Group B, but Infernal was given the first seed out of the APAC teams due to their superior qualification stage record. Gray argued that this was against the rules the players had signed and his team had once again received clarification just days prior. The decision is not just a matter of prestige, as the the standings impact the team's journey to the midseason madness knockout stage, requiring one less match to win. The placement also has direct implications on seeding for the season playoffs. Owl's solution isn't well received. Sean Miller, head of the Overwatch League, responded by acknowledging an, quote, administration error, stating that the intent was always to seed the team with the best overall performance during the spring stage as the first seed. He also mentioned that the league had, quote, worked closely with impacted teams and apologized for the confusion this has brought, end quote. To make amends, the league increased the prize pool for the fifth and sixth place. However, this move was met with further criticism from Gray, who called it, quote, disrespectful and, quote, an insult to a team that has been heavily investing and actively competing in Overwatch League, end quote. The Hangzhou Spark has left open the possibility of pursuing, quote, legal and or arbitration means to challenge the decision, though they have dismissed the idea of a boycott. It adds more pressure to an already strained Overwatch League. With a spare sponsor, sorry, with a sparse sponsor landscape, the league faces a challenging situation, especially in the Chinese region where the game is currently unplayable. The latest controversy is an unwelcome addition to the league's mounting problems. Just last week, the Toronto Defiant announced the Overwatch League had waived its remaining franchise fees. So, what do we get from all this? Well, there was a lot in that article, so let me break it down for you a little bit here. Basically, uh, Hangzhou seems to have been told they would be seeded a certain way going into the midseason madness based on their performance in the season. Um, and when it all came down to it, they do not get the bye week. So they actually have to play in the first uh, week's matches. Um, or I'm not even sure if it's a full week, but they do not get a bye match, right? They do have to play a match, win to advance. Whereas the Soul Infernal do not have to play a match at that same time and they are already starting on the second round. So it's akin to, in the Western side of things, uh, Houston and, of course, uh, Atlanta, who both have already uh, were already qualified for the tournament, so they get a bye, right? They, don't, they have to play one less match. Hangzhou's come forward and said, well, 
uh, our rulebook says that this should be us that get the bye week, whereas you currently have the infernal place there. Um, they did actually, this article does have Sean's full tweet here. So let me pull that up. So in response to all of this uh, tweeting from Gray, the GM of the Hangzhou Spark, Sean Miller tweeted, as we head into an exciting mid-season madness in Seoul next week, the league wants to acknowledge an administration error when seating rules were communicated and distributed to teams. Our intent has always been to have the team with the best performance throughout spring stage to be the first seed. We've worked closely with the impacted teams, both the Seoul Infernal and Hangzhou Spark, and apologize for the confusion this has brought. We've increased the prize pool and taken steps to ensure these clerical errors don't happen again. We can't wait to witness the tournament next weekend. So there's the response. Um, ultimately, to me, this originally screamed, wow, Hangzhou is kind of getting screwed over. You know, it's not the end of the world, but ultimately it could impact their bottom line. Depending on how they perform in the tournament, they could be in line for more money. Um, but the fact is they now have to play and win one more match than maybe the Soul Infernal have to. Um, meaning, again, that there's a risk of them getting booted out and winning less than if they got that automatic in, right? So what do I think of Sean Miller's response? I think Sean Miller's response was kind of... It was a total PR move. Um, it kind of feels... A little bit weak um it would have been nice to hear um you know what all these discussions had gone on were and especially given the fact that it doesn't seem like gray is altogether pleased with whatever was decided increasing the prize pool and things like that so ultimately a very interesting situation um i also over on the ready set poem podcast when we discussed this i actually brought up the fact as well that um it seems a lot like the league you know made two different deals or um these deals were not properly communicated two different teams took things two different ways and ultimately which team or organization are the is the league going to side with well we know that the soul infernal previously the philadelphia fusion probably is in with the league a little bit tighter um obviously we know gm i believe his name's ronston um and back when they were in Philly, they had a really good relationship with the league. The organization was going to build a multi-billion dollar esports stadium and all this stuff. Um, and of course, the team moved to Korea. So I do think that maybe the Soul Infernal have a little bit more pull when it comes to the Overwatch League and its operations and things like that. Um, but ultimately, who knows? Uh, it could be that the Hangzhou Spark are entirely in the right and the league is in the wrong, but we will probably never fully know so an interesting one it'll be very interesting to see what else comes um on one hand it'll be very interesting to see what else comes from this especially if hangzhou does poorly in the tournament or if they're booted out early if of course they do great they end up winning it all they'll probably kind of laugh and shrug it off as more of a haha we didn't need the bye week or something to that extent so interesting stuff now Let's head on over next to Dexerto, where we are going to finally get around to breaking down Season 5 and everything that's coming along with it. So, this article from Dexerto, written by Jeremy Gunn, posted on June 7th, reads, Everything in Overwatch 2 Season 5, Release Date, Summer Games, New Event, More. So, we're going to read through this and talk a little bit about what is happening with Season 5 and the fact that we finally have some details. 
As Overwatch 2's Season 4 slowly winds down, with Starwatch coming to an end, Blizzard is preparing for some sizable shakeups in the coming months, and it all starts with Season 5 update. From new events, a new Sojourn cinematic, and the return of the Summer Games after a year-long disappearance, Blizzard is looking to bring back a mix of old and new content in preparation for the upcoming PvE game modes set to follow later this year. So before it get all gets underway, here's all you need to know about Overwatch 2 Season 5. Overwatch 2 Season 5 release date, with the announcement of seasons, Season 5's Mythic Skin Adventurer Tracer, also came the official release date of Season 5, that date being Tuesday, June 13th. What's new in Overwatch 2 Season 5? Summer Games is back for Season 5. In 2022, as Blizzard geared up for the release of Overwatch 2, the annual Summer Games, unfortunately, made no appearance in the game. However, now that the sequel is in a much stabler place, the devs have decided it's time for its return. Although details of what 2023's Summer Games will entail are scarce for now, it would be safe to speculate that the normal slew of cosmetics will be included. The same can be said with the fan favorite Lucio, Lucio Ball Game Mode 2. However, every year the devs like to throw in a curveball or two, such as 2020's version of Lucio Ball Remix. So expect to see something slightly out of left field here again. We'll be sure to update you here once we get all the details of what 2023's Summer Games will bring. Season 5 brings a new event and skin line, Questwatch and Mischief and Magic. During the announcement of Overwatch 2's latest roadmap, the dev team revealed a new event coming in Season 5, Questwatch. Quest However, devs were quiet, or sorry, were quite reticent on details as to what Questwatch will bring. From what we can speculate, it seems to be an integration with an upcoming set of Mischief and Magic skins. It's safe to assume Blizzard is continuing what they've done with Starwatch to build in-game lore around a skin line. Season 5 Mythic Skin Adventurer Tracer Season 5's Mythic Skin was revealed by Blizzard, and none other than the face of Overwatch, Tracer, will be the recipient of it. Adventurer Tracer is in line with Season 5's theme of fantasy, seeing Tracer dressed in medieval-esque adventurer armor and additionally transformed into an elf. However, unlike other Mythic skins where players will fully unlock it when finishing the Battle Pass, Adventurer Tracer can be incrementally unlocked throughout the Battle Pass track. At Tier 45, players will get the base skin. At Tier 65, players will get the intermediate skin. And at Tier 80, players will get the complete set with full customization. Season 5 Cinematic Reveal. Actually, before I get there, before I continue, I'm going to talk a little bit about these things because these are exciting. So, <clears throat> the first thing, um, Summer Games coming back. I mean, I don't truly have much of an opinion on that. Uh, you know, I tried Lucio Ball once or twice. Was never super into it, but I'm glad that people enjoy it. Um, oh, sorry. And I'm also very glad to, uh, or I was always very glad to see that sort of, it's almost a crossover, but not quite a crossover with Rocket League. Um, I just think that that's a really cool and neat idea of what they did uh, to kind of incorporate another game into Overwatch. Other than that, though, I mean, Summer Games skins and the previously Summer skins, I am a pretty big fan of. I actually think they got some really cool ones. So, you know, assuming those come back, I'm very excited to see that. We don't know much about Questwatch or Mischief and Magic, but of course, that does lead into the Adventurer Tracer skin. And as the article pointed out there, that's right, I started the video partway through there. Um, the... Uh, actual breakdown of the skin is really cool. I'm actually very excited to hear about this. 
again, just like I was saying with the um, Battle Pass uh, skips that you can earn from uh, watching the Overwatch League, this is another thing where I feel like they're really kind of playing with the format of things. And I'm really excited to see what they do here because I think this is a great idea. So tier 45, you unlock the base skin, tier 65, intermediate, and tier 80, of course, is the full skin. I really, really like this. So, of course, you got 20, uh, 20 tiers between 45 and 65, and then you've only got 15 between 65 and 80. I do actually think that that is uh, sort of appropriately balanced. Obviously, tier 45, we know, is also when, um, if there were a hero being released, you would unlock the hero. So, again, I love that they lowered the hero unlock to tier 45. I love that they're also giving you part of that mythic skin at tier 45. This very much does say to me that they want more people to be getting these skins. They want more people to be identifiable at some level in the battle pass. Now, the only thing is that, you know, I know it's going to get to a point where, oh, you only have the red tracer uh, mythic skin oh that's the tier 45 one you know you are therefore lesser than i who completed the battle pass and got the full uh complete skin for you know getting to rank 80 or whatever that will happen of course because it's overwatch because everyone loves to hate each other in overwatch but ultimately i just love the creativity that we're now seeing behind how they're actually splitting this out and what they're doing with it so very exciting stuff there now Let's continue with the article here. Season 5 cinematic reveal. Cinematics are back for Season 5. It's been a while since the community got a whole new cinematic, with Kuriko's animated short being the last from when Overwatch 2 was just released. However, the new roadmap seems to have teased a whole new cinematic trailer, uh, sorry, new cinematic for Sojourn and her dog, Murphy. For those out of the loop in Overwatch lore, Murphy is Vivian Chase's, aka Sojourn's, dog who served with her in Overwatch. When Sojourn eventually retired from Overwatch, Murphy came along with her as her pet. As to what the cinematic will entail, we'll have to wait and see. However, it would not be surprising if it will tease aspects of the upcoming PvE modes in Season 6. Season 5, Hero Buffs and Nerfs. Um, this part here, I'm actually going to skip over because we will talk a little bit about that shortly here, uh, some of the changes that we'll see coming. But we then get to the on-fire system in Season 5. During the transition from the original game to Overwatch 2, one of the staples of Overwatch was left out, the on-fire system, which easily allowed players to see who was popping off. After much teasing, the on-fire system is finally back in Season 5. As to whether it will work the same as Overwatch 1 remains to be seen creator workshop mode in season five in the roadmap released by blizzard one of the aspects of season five which was teased was the creator workshop mode as to whether this is an update to the existing workshop mode or a whole new workshop mode for the game is yet to be seen and that is what we know of the upcoming season five so far obviously we are a ways off from season five's eventual release and more information will slowly come out in short order so make sure to check back here for any new updates so there you go a uh, bit of a lengthy read, but ultimately a good one. Really kind of breaks down what exactly we're seeing with Season 5 coming and some of the exciting new changes. Um, I, you know, again, when it comes to earning that Mythic Tracer skin, I'm really excited for that route that they're going. It does, uh, for someone like me who isn't necessarily spending all their time playing Overwatch or who does, you know, split their time between other games uh, with Overwatch, it does definitely lighten the load and and the you know seeming stress of trying to get through all of those battle pass tiers and actually reach that rank 80 which 
I mean, realistically, you know, for someone who plays semi-casually as me, when I have the battle pass, um, I have not had a problem completing it. Um, so again, that would be with that 20% XP bonus uh, that you get just from having the battle pass. The short or the other side of that is that when I have not had the battle pass, I really haven't gotten close. I think I want to say the closest I got was season three, where I got into maybe the 30s. And again, that didn't that means I was not taking advantage of a lot of the systems they put in to actually help with that. So I didn't really take part in any limited time events to earn extra challenges, which give you XP or anything like that. Um, and I also didn't really take part in any double XP weekends or anything like that. So I know with this season, it seems like they've actually given us more of those than they had previously. So I think this season may have been easier to complete the battle pass without having the premium battle pass, but who truly knows? Not me. Let's move on. And this time we're going to read an article. Actually, we're going to do this slightly out of order, ever so slightly. We're going to go back to Dottie Sports this time with an article by Max Michelli on June 8th, which ties into our previous article and reads Overwatch 2 Season 5 Early Patch Notes. Of course, the article reads, Overwatch 2 Season 5 is less than a week away. While Blizzard hasn't unveiled all of its plans for the next season, the devs have tipped their hand to a number of balance changes and teased some content. Along with posting a roadmap, previewing content for the next few seasons, the developers announced on June 6th that Season 5 will include some changes to a few heroes in the game. In a director's take post to the official Overwatch website, game director Aaron Keller noted hero tuning coming to six different heroes in next week's patch. As far as any new content is concerned, the roadmap released in mid-May teased a limited-time fantasy-themed event called Questwatch, which will include something called Mischief and Magic. The season will also include the Summer Games and Mini 5 vs. 5 competitive season. With the season so close to launch, I suspect that Blizzard will release a trailer with more details on the season's content sometime soon. Ahead of Season 4, Blizzard posted a trailer on Thursday before the season began. With the Summer Game Fest this weekend, the developer might have a slightly different approach this time around. On the game balance side of things, Keller noted that the team is adjusting its approach to one-shot heroes as well as crowd control abilities in Season 5. This is reflected in upcoming changes to popularly notorious heroes like Mei, Hanzo, Widowmaker, and Cassidy. All hero balance changes coming in Overwatch 2 Season 5. So, we don't actually have necessarily specifics for all of these, but we do have some good details here, and we do have some specifics, so let's dive in there. Lifeweaver. Overwatch 2's newest hero continually has continually been a point of emphasis for the hero design team, and his performance has remained subpar throughout the entirety of his first season in the game. In his dev take post, Keller said Lifeweaver will receive, quote, mostly buffs to his kit, including increases to his healing and damage output. So we know we're going to have those. Specifics have not been disclosed. Uh, they did mention as well that Life Grip will include a heal to the target being gripped, which I actually think is a pretty cool change and uh, something that um, I think encourages Life Grip to be used properly a little bit more. Uh, Life Weaver's hitbox will be slightly reduced. I know people have complained that his hitbox is way too large compared to other characters. And then Pedal Platform will receive some quality of life adjustments. So hard to say what exactly those will turn into. Junker Queen. So we know that Junker Queen, um, they obviously buffed for a while there, but they know they want to make some tweaks to her. Um, 
giving her a little bit more survivability but without making her too daunting so we've got commanding shout gives junker queen 150 over health down from 200 and rampage will cost more ultimate charge effectively making it take longer to build up again we don't have specifics on that second point but that's what we're being told then they get into the one-shot enemies here. So they say Hanzo's ability to one-shot enemies who are mindlessly rounding corners makes him one of the more frustrating heroes in the game to play against. Blizzard is finally addressing years of complaints from his haters with a few nerfs to his kit that make him a menace. Stormbow primary fire will be nerfed so that a headshot is no longer lethal to $250 health targets. Sonic Arrow will be made more recognizable to enemies. The Sonic Arrow thing here, I think, is kind of a whatever change. Um, I don't think you need to be more recognizable, so whatever. But the uh, changes to Storm Arrow, that's actually interesting. Primary Fire will be nerfed so that Headshot is no longer lethal to 250 health targets. That's surprising. Um, it does obviously remove Hanzo's real you know, one-shot ability, but ultimately, I think I... I never had too much of a problem with his one-shot ability um, or ability to perform a one-shot. But ultimately, I know a lot of people aren't fans of that. Then we get into Widowmaker, who again, another one of these one-shot heroes. So they outline Widow's Kiss scoped damage falloff will be reduced to 40 to 60 meters, down from 70 to 100. And Widow's Kiss scoped damage falloff scalar will be increased to 50% up from 50%. So just... Obviously, nerfing her into the ground. Widowmaker, I don't find, has been played too, too much, uh, at least at my level. Um, you definitely see a lot more Hanzos than Widowmakers. And when you do see Widowmakers, honestly, they're generally speaking not too scary. So this won't affect me too much. May, they then talk about the crowd control. So the ever-annoying crowd control that May had in the original version of Overwatch is making a return in Season 5. It's difficult to tell if this will make her better or worse overall because it comes with a significant blow to her primary fire's DPS. But as a DPS and support player who has been taken out by both versions of May, it won't change the way I avoid getting too close to her. That's the, you know, author of this article here. Endothermic Blaster primary fire will have a slow buildup that eventually applies to a larger slow at 1.5 seconds. Endothermic Blaster primary fire DPS reduced to 55, down from 100. So that damage is significantly reduced meanwhile the slow will actually build up um, which is in my mind kind of makes sense so i'm okay with these that blaster fire reduction is pretty huge though cassidy is another dps who's getting some cc added back to his kit in season five magnetic grenade ability was originally added to his kit as an alternative to crowd control that gives him a way to protect himself against diving enemies at close range but even with Blizzard reversing its stance, or sorry, but with Blizzard reversing its stance on giving DPS heroes CC effects, the dev seems to be giving the magnetic grades some of the traits that Flashbang used to provide. Magnetic grenade will now have damage increased and will apply a slowing effect that also blocks movement abilities. Again, interesting stuff there. Magnetic grenade is, in my opinion, one of the more ridiculous abilities in the game. Um, it does kind of come out of nowhere and you know curves around walls and all the sorts of stuff you don't feel like it should be able to do so ultimately i'm not upset to see these changes coming in and with that that is all of the patch notes they have outlined there but 
We do still have one story, one quick one that we'll jump over to again.esports.com. This is Harrison Thomas on June 8th. And this reads Overwatch 2's latest game-making bug sees Parisio removed from servers. Blizzard developers have ripped Parisio from Overwatch 2's live map rotation today after a new bug, a new mercy bug, that allowed players to forcibly change frame rates for their opponents started flooding the hero shooter's competitive servers. While developers investigated the issue and how they can stamp it out, the Overwatch map will no longer be available. There's no return in sight for the Rio de Janeiro landscape either, according to an updated blog by the Overwatch 2 team. Mercy is still available to be played on the other maps due to the bug not working elsewhere. The bug in question was activated through several laborious steps. One set, the exploit let Mercy players combine their staff and pistol, crashing frame rates for everyone. <laughs> That's pretty funny. To activate the game-breaking exploit, Mercy players had to escape the spawn room nine times, thus leading to a final step of the glitch. Once the Mercy player attempted to swap weapons, the FPS-directed glitch would begin. They would be able to hold the lobby stage and change the frame rate for a few seconds to get easy kills. Players could escape the glitch by leaving and rejoining, or not selecting their hero before the spawn doors opened. Despite there being a player side fix, the devs still believed it to be worthy of immediate attention. The bug has been around for quite some time, but with different Overwatch heroes. Genji previously was able to have a perpetual dragon animation. For the time being, the exploit has only appeared on the Parisio map. So again, this is, you know, not necessarily a huge story, but ultimately a good one to see, uh, or a good change to hear, um, you know, and hear that they're watching this and taking care of it closely kind of thing. So, and with that, that is, of course, all of the news we have to bring to you this week. Now, I'm going to do a quick recap of this past week's matches in the Overwatch League. Of course, if you're following the Overwatch League, you will already know these. Um, and this does or has determined what our tournament will look like for next week. But again, I'm going to save the tournament uh, preview for next week's episode of One Man Watchpoint. So without further ado, let's head on over and recap some Overwatch League games. Be consumed by the shadows. All right, so heading over to the schedule here. Back on Friday, June 2nd, we had the San Francisco Shock 3-2 the Vancouver Titans in what was a fantastic match for the Vancouver Titans. Um, a pretty good match for the uh, San Francisco Shock as well, but ultimately a bit of a heartbreaker for the Vancouver Titans because they are now officially not going to Korea. The New York Excelsior took a 3-1 win over the Toronto Defiant in what was a disappointing match for the Toronto Defiant, and it continues to be hard to be a Toronto supporter. Then, of course, the Gladiators 3-0'd the Florida Mayhem, thus completing the trifecta of teams that Jordan, uh, Sir Dr. JM here, your host of One Man Watchpoint, cheers for, and just not being pleased with any of these teams' performances. Then, finally, our final match on Friday, June 2nd, was the Washington Justice getting beat by the Boston Uprising 3-2, Washington continuing to impress with some of their comps and what they're able to do against some of these tough opponents like Boston. Saturday, June 3rd, we saw the Dreamers 3-1 the Guangzhou Charge. We then saw Dallas Fuel get things together and 3-1 O2 Blast. And finally, the Florida Mayhem somewhat redeemed themselves by beating the San Francisco Shock 3-1 as well. Then, of course, the Washington Justice 3-0'd the New York Excelsior. And finally, the Boston Uprising 3-0'd the Los Angeles Gladiators. And I believe that match is what made it so that Boston was locked in to go to Korea, uh, whereas the rest of the team still had to play. 
So then we come to Sunday, June 4th, where Dreamers was 0-4 by the Hangzhou Spark. The Soul Infernal then beat the Dallas Fuel for 0 as well. And of course, those matches both seeded the teams into, uh, or, you know, confirmed that they should be seeded into the tournament, uh, the Midseason Madness tournament. And of course, that sparked the debate that we talked about previously. The Florida Mayhem then 3-1 the Washington Justice, and finally, Florida Mayhem 3-2'd the Los Angeles Gladiators, meaning I believe that the uh, Florida were able to advance, and the Gladiators are going home. So that's really it in the Overwatch League. I know I kind of breezed over those. I'm actually losing my voice here. It's getting tough to talk. Um, but I am excited to see our upcoming matches for next week and ultimately what happens in the Midseason Madness Tournament. With all that said, let's wrap things up and take it on over to the outro. What a fascinating place. Can science alone unlock the path to enlightenment? All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening to episode 111. That's right. That's episode 111 of One Man Watchpoint. We are, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. We cover the Overwatch League. We cover Overwatch itself. We cover the lore. We cover the PvP. We cover the big announcements, the controversies, the exciting stuff, the new seasons, and everything in between. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and of course, send in recommendations for the show. Send in topics, questions, concerns, whatever you've got. You're looking for some life advice, send it over to me on Twitter. You can DM me, you can tweet at me, whatever you want there, and I would love to bring it to the show and talk about it. If you enjoyed what you heard here, also check out the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, your premier source for everything, Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. Once again, this has been episode 111 of One Man Watchpoint. Thanks so much for listening. You have my thanks.